0: Listening to episode 242 of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined as always by my co host Wayne as we conclude our look at season four and maybe the series as well of TNT's The Librarians on this snowy Tuesday evening. Yeah,
1: happy first day of spring, right?
0: Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, well, actually, you're right. Tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Tom- yeah, right. Well, right. And tomorrow's the first day that you can actually play a game that counts in uh sports in our state right i don't right. think anybody's going to be playing tomorrow unless I, they are indoors and i don't think there are any indoor spring sports that i know of uh,
1: not 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 that not i know of nope so uh, yeah tomorrow is going to be a, definitely is going to be a snow day
0: yeah you guys got the got to go home early and uh like you said you'd probably be able to sleep in uh, or at least sleep in as long as your kids allow you to <laughs> right
1: So yeah it's just crazy i mean here we are you know march 20th big snowstorm biggest snowstorm of the year yep so
0: well you know when i was coaching i had I, I was much more in tune with the weather and i i still remember march 15th where we got 15 inches of snow and yeah uh, you know we're not going to get that this time but still <laughs> you know reasonably significant
2: yeah so. i
1: remember i remember that you remember uh to you know our practicing lacrosse on the the uh the parking lot because yep. that was the only thing that was been cleared off and basically we just run around and you know and maybe do a couple ball drills and everything so
2: yep.
1: fun times fun times all
0: right well speaking of fun times i want to remind you guys we'd love to hear from you emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com go to the website leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab record your own audio clip if you'd like or just send us a tweet at sci-fi tv rewatch and we'd encourage you to consider joining the facebook group and join the discussions there
1: right. so i'd also we'll- like to you, you you kind of said we we're concluding our discussion of the librarians just for those of you who might be worried about that we're we're talking about the, the penultimate episode well, we we will actually conclude next week right that that is correct yeah yeah so so for anyone who's who's freaking out about that it's okay relax
0: yeah and you know i I mean i'm not going to be surprised if we learn that the show's coming back on on some level but uh you know uh you you know who
1: knows you never know right there i mean there's hope out there for sure and we we will keep hope aloft in our hearts for sure yeah so all right
0: um to put in a quick plug for our patreon patrons you know i, I think i acknowledged our newest patron cindy Barrick, last week but I, I couldn't remember so thank you cindy she's obviously been a frequent contributor to the facebook group and then of course harvey williams dan larock fred from the netherlands mike jacobs and kenneth pricer thanks for your continued support now, um, one thing in terms of news, and, and you know maybe we'll talk about this after we conclude the Librarians' run on some level. I mean, I think we could make a whole episode out of it, and uh, I don't know if you had a chance to check that link out that I sent you, but the 2018 Saturn Awards have been announced, the 44th Annual Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, and the Librarians is nominated in the Best Fantasy Television Series unfortunately it's up against some pretty formidable foes american gods game of thrones the good place nightfall the magicians and
1: outlander so the, they got game of thrones yeah They can take him well
0: <laughs> they they can i mean but of that group and i watch all of those shows uh Nightfall is probably at the bottom of the list and while it's certainly a good show it's enjoyable it's it's not in the class of the others but best supporting actor on a television series Christian Kane nice yeah now he's up against uh, I'll I'll just point out one I think is probably his his biggest challenge and that's Kit harrington who plays Jon Snow on Game of Thrones as a supporting actor, huh? As a supporting, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then that's just a bit of a stretch, I think. But okay, right. And then best guest starring performance on a television series, Rachel Nichols. Nice, yeah. So uh, you know that that's pretty cool. And sure. you know when I said you know maybe what we'll do is spend some time talking about the the different categories for television because you and I and, and I'm sure most of the listeners watch a. Uh, bulk of these shows in fact i watch most of them as i know you do so uh you know we'll figure that out obviously next week we're going to talk about the season four finale of the librarians and then after that you know if we take a week to do that before we return to dollhouse then you know then that's what we do
1: that sounds like a good idea dave i like it all right all
0: right well let's uh take a quick trip into our tip of the week and and for me this week and i know it's an abc show and outside of marvel's agents of shield abc is pretty sketchy when it comes to genre television but they've got a show coming up called the crossing and it's going to premiere on april 2nd but they released the pilot episode early so you can go out and watch it right now i mean you just got to you know figure out i i I haven't looked for it yet but i'm sure it's on your mobile device probably on your computer as well but Wikipedia has a synopsis, and I'm sure they got it from the show. Refugees from a war-torn country start showing up to seek asylum in an American town. Only the country these people are from is America, and the war they are fleeing is 150 years in the future. The The local sheriff with a past, a federal agent, and a mother in search of her missing refugee daughter drive this allegory with a surprising conspiracy at the center. So, sounds intriguing time travel obviously in there and yep. you know they're, they're putting it out there early so uh, you know check it out it, it sounds good i haven't seen it yet but you know we can come back in a couple of weeks and talk about what we thought of it
1: yeah it sounds good all right so what do you got <clears throat> um so last week i mentioned i'd started the second season of jessica jones and i've now finished it wow and it was it was good it was really good not quite as good as season 1 i'd have to admit um i think <clears throat> the the there really wasn't a big bad in it like there was and and you know i, I i'm all for like i'm not taking anything away from Jessica Jones as a character, I think she's probably the best character in Netflix's Marvel universe. Even though I've, I've said I like the Luke Cage series, that's my favorite of those series, and that's still true. But I think Jessica Jones is the most compelling character. Um, but part of what made season one so great was the fact of David Tennant as her arch nemesis, and obviously without him there, there you know, and they just really didn't have. A you know single baddie for her to go against. So, but there's still the it was really good and they delved into a lot of the characters and especially with Trish, uh, we got to see her in a deeper level. So it's highly highly recommended. It was great. Uh, We saw a little bit of uh, Scuttlebutt yesterday about the Frankenstein Chronicles and I kind of chimed chimed in on Facebook saying that that also you know once again give my stamp of approval to that serious because that was really good and if you're thinking about it i would highly recommend going that way as well i think you'll, you'll like, especially if you like other stuff that sean bean has been in this is a very sean beanish type thing so um and then last but not least just a quick shout out to timeless now two episodes into the new season and uh it's it's going great are you caught up on timeless dave uh,
0: no i've only seen the first one and it was okay. great
1: yeah yeah so um
0: so yeah okay. that's it now Jessica Jones, I'm five episodes in on season two, and I've mentioned this before, and, and this happens all the time. My, my wife and I have shows that we watch on a regular basis, and most of them are non-genre shows. But you know, she's got a pretty open mind about things. But I've been trying to sell Jessica Jones for you know a year or so now, where I, I tell her, look, you know, you watched Luke Cage and you really like that. This is more psychological than action driven. And, you know, no go. She has no interest. So I I told her, look, I got to watch season two because of my podcasting requirements. And, you know, so I'm watching that and I'll notice she's looking up from her laptop and and doesn't say anything. So I'm watching episode four and about midway through, you know, she goes, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so now, yeah, which I told you, I, I know. So now, what she's going to do is, it will go back and rewatch season one, and maybe alternate because she seemed essentially the f- the first five of season two already. So she doesn't know anything right. about
1: Kilgrave. Right, right, right. Well, but. yeah. Make sure before I would maybe even say stop before you go any further. Oh, okay. On, on season two, like get her caught up with season one first. Okay. Well, well there's even some stuff already that they've referred to a lot because. Early on, I know they make references to how she killed Kilgrave and how she keeps saying, I'm not a murderer and things like that. That's like a big thematic thing early on. Um, so I guess you could just kind of, you know, some, well, I don't know. You don't want to like spoil it for her though either though. Well, she has some sense because
0: she's like, well, just tell me. I'm like, you really want to know? Yes, tell me. I'm like, okay. So she knows about ten. Oh, okay. and, and it Just in general terms, you know, she knows what his power is. And she has gotcha. a, a, a general idea. But, uh, yeah, so, okay. you, know, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, once I get further into it, you know, I certainly would love to talk about it a little bit. But uh, speaking of talking about episodes a little bit, we heard from Fred, who sent us in an audio feedback. So let's hear what Fred's got to say about The Librarians and uh,
2: The Drowned book. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred with his fifth Librarians Freshback section this time about a season two premiere. Sorry for not giving feedback last week, but my most favorite aunt died at the respectable age of 96. Because she was my father's only sister with no own children, my brother and I, being her only two nephews, had to arrange everything for her funeral, which we did with love. My brother took care of her the last 10 10 years of her life. So last week... I was kind of busy with other things, such as writing a eulogy. She, for instance, supported me financially during my medical studies. In Dutch we call somebody like that a sugar aunt. I think in English it's more like a sugar mama. Okay, back to the second season of The Librarians. Because of circumstances, I only had time for one episode. The premiere. Sorry, Wayne. I know I disappoint you. One of those circumstances, by the way, was watching whole season one of Timeless and giving feedback for the premiere of season two there. And that, for a non-bin-watcher like me, I really recommend that series to everyone. I call it Time Travel Lite, less complicated than Twelve Monkeys or Continuum. It's a story mainly about Shakespeare's Prospero and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Moriarty, appearing from their books imdb gave this episode an 8.2 and the both of you gave it this rate a i think i have to listen to your podcast to understand that because i quite disliked the episode it was too hectic too frantic too adhd-ish and the humor was too overdone for me of the adhd flint surely has the hd component I don't know whether my opinion has something to do with my state of mind due to the death of my aunt, but but I actually don't think so. I do like Sherlock Holmes, but I am not so much into Shakespeare as you native speakers probably do. I I can imagine seeing favorite characters from well-known books in one episode can be cool for native speakers, but I found the combination a little strange and a bit far-fetched. In the first scene, by the way, Jenkins sees a camel shortly appearing. Actually, I was quite struck by that image because my just-diseased aunt collected camels and one of the few I took from her home just looks like the camel uh, that uh, Jenkins sees. Am I preoccupied? Me? No, not at all. Some quotes from the episode. Flint to Eve. Put on your best party jumpsuit. And actually, Eve did indeed wear a very nice and elegant jumpsuit afterwards. Flynn to Moriarty, at that time Professor James Ward. Uh, Mr. James Ward, visiting professor of antiquities from Oxford University. And worth. Well done. Marvelous trick. Tell me, how did you do it? Flynn, well, elementary, actually. Of course, this comes from the Sherlock Holmes quote. It's elementary, my dear Watson. The series Elementary with John Lee Miller and Lucy Liu uh, in the lead roles is quite a a recommendable uh, series, by the way. Next quote. uh, Professor Worth to Eve about Flynn. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to distract him. And Eve answers. He is kind of permanently distracted. Which actually proves my ADHD point Isabella who plays an Italian uh, nobility to Cassandra here's my number and if you're even if you're ever in Milan just call me okay ciao Bella Cassandra is clearly enjoying the embrace and the kiss on her cheek again I get a feeling of a lesbian tendency in Cassandra like in the season one episode six and the fables of doom where cassandra gets the role of prince charming and having a whole bunch of young women falling into admiration for her and where she says i don't mind all these girls buying me drinks i really wonder if we will see more of that fortunately at the end of the story it becomes all a little more clearer and the different storylines convert and flynn says the king from Milan, the shipwreck, the earrings, the storm, uh, summoned by a spirit, that's Prospero. What I did like about the episode is that the librarians discovered that the main cause for them losing this case is that they worked independently, each following their own clipping book. In my last feedback on episode 9 and 10 of season 1, I said, quote, I wonder whether we will get uh, separate storylines since the librarians all got their own small clipping books. I actually don't think so because that would deprive us viewers uh, of their nice interactions. So I think my fear for independent storylines is already addressed and will probably come not true. Finally I have a recommendation because you always ask about series and I think you ta- you uh, talked about it a suggestion could be for a podcast to uh, do Star Trek Continues a pretty well done remake of Star Trek the original series it's only one season with 11 episodes this was all greetings all the best fred from the netherlands All
0: right, um, you know, I'm not sure I totally agree with Fred on this
1: one. What do you think? Yeah, well, so a part of what he said there, because, again, I mean, I remember I liked it. I remember I liked this episode. And part of uh, what my liking of it is probably what Fred touched on is that Shakespeare was in it. And um, as most English nerds in the English-speaking world— I am a massive, massive Shakespeare fan. Um, and so to, whenever, you know, you could have someone acting out Shakespeare in anything, and I'm going to be like, woo, Shakespeare! Um, so that might have colored my uh, my opinion of the episode, but I, I can't really remember. But I, I remember liking it, though. So I'm not going to back down from the, the great... If I gave it an A, then I meant an A. So I'm stick with it. Well, right. And I really like the
0: character of James Worth. And, and obviously, he's somebody that we see later in the series. So I, I mean for me uh, again a, as you said anytime you know we, we get to uh, see Shakespeare I mean the doc, the Doctor Who Shakespeare episode is still one oh, of my all-time favorites as is the Van Gogh yeah. episode. But yes. uh but, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there are some, you know, and Fred points this out with his quotes, the little Sherlock Holmes nods and, and right. you know, of
1: course. So that's, that's like the the thing, like, everyone associates that quote, like, elementary with Sherlock Holmes. And, of course, like, he never said that in any of the Arthur Conan Doyle stories. You know, I think that was something that uh, – Like, you know, kind of happened with the movie character is just, you know, now has become synonymous with, you know, Sherlock Holmes, but. Right. And then
0: Fred also mentions, and, and again, this is something we've talked about from time to time with the librarians, is the humor overdone? And, you know, in general terms, I guess you could say, yes, but this is the librarians. And as long as they don't get ridiculous about it, I mean, that's, that's again, part of the charm of the librarians. Yeah absolutely, they, absolutely. They, they can get a little silly from time yeah. to
1: time and and you know like he said, you know i mean his his aunt, who was very close to him had just died, so he's but yeah you know, that might obviously that's going to put you in in a certain place, and so um how you judge things uh when you're in that place is you know could be different that could be affected, but uh definitely our condolences there Fred um you know I just uh, recently one of my favorite uncles uh passed away recently, and when I went away to school to Buffalo, which is about eight hours from here. Um, my aunt and uncle who live up there, they were basically like second parents to me. So, um, I, I, I get it, man. I I feel for you and, uh, you know, our deepest condolences and, um, you know, I hope you get through it, bud. All
0: right. Well, Fred, thanks as always. And, you know, any of you other guys want to send us in feedback, we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well, but let's move on to the librarian's episode 411 and the trial of the one written by Tom McCray, who wrote town called feud and your favorite episode bleeding crown and yeah directed- you
1: know what I I, I didn't look but I, I I'm like you know what I bet you this is the guy who wrote those episodes <laughs> okay. and directed by Mark Roskin who directed the season premiere
0: dark secret and he also directed bleeding crown and it aired January 31st, 2018. So I- I'm sensing this was not one of your favorites either.
1: Well, so this, I am. I have very mixed feelings about this because obviously, all right, I'm just going to say, you know, Jenkins di- Jenkins dies and that, you know, like it was killing me. I wanted to talk about this so much when, when it, and you hadn't, you weren't caught up. So I couldn't like, I was just like, ah, I can't even hint at what just happened and everything. Um, that, that, that's traumatic, man. You know, that was, that, that was tough. But that being said, the reason I was thinking that the person who wrote this must be the same guy who wrote those other is because in those other two, it was the same thing with all these plot devices coming out of nowhere. Like the, for example, the, the scroll with the wires attached to it, you know, just like i i i i am not a big fan of that you know like these crazy plot points and and all these things just coming oh wait a second i have some device back in the library that will help for that you know it's like most of the time that the librarians solve their stuff with their own wits and, and not through some kind of crazy technology or crazy plot point. so um so it, it's a mixture. Uh, there there were parts of this that I really was not a big fan of, but then there's some really emotional parts to it that, uh, like, but, and then in the end, there's just, there's just like, we can talk about at the end. There's just so many questions of like WTF, basically, when Nicole shows up at the end. There's just logically, like, hardly anything from the actual episode can be explained.
0: Well, right. And and, and certainly we get to the end and we see those three words to be continued. I I think we certainly know where this is headed. And unfortunately, uh, I happen to run across what for me is a spoiler because I still haven't seen the final episode. But that said, it certainly was predictable enough that it, it, you know, I kind of had already spoiled myself in my mind, you know, and it just was confirmed. But uh, yeah, I know what you're saying about certain things that, that happen in this episode that just are too convenient, and I, I think it's probably fair to say we both see it as an uneven episode. I mean, it's good, yes, and it certainly moves the story arc along, and obviously we don't know, as the writers didn't know, whether or not there was going to be a fifth season. But still, it, it does give some room to tie some things up at the end, but... As you said, we got a lot of questions. And one yeah. of mine, I mean, we're not really any closer to determining which librarian will tether, though it seems pretty predictable that Flynn's going to return to tether with Eve. Because, I mean, that's just the nature of the librarians. Right. You know?
1: Well, we also learned that that Flynn, though he might have gone on a walkabout, that he didn't quit the library, that Nicole has been... uh, she implies she's been like keeping him prisoner yeah
0: Yeah. yes and no i mean i know she says that but as you said flynn left the library on his own volition and what what happened once he was out in the world well yes nicole somehow lured him in how with her uh to
1: her feminine wiles i would say
0: say. okay and and (laughs) So, you know, he, he, we assume went willingly once he went there, we don't know, does she have him locked up as she was locked up? But, but again, we learn from her at the end of the episode that, oh no, that was all part of my plan to
1: get locked up. Like what? Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. I I know. You know, that was just too much, too much. I mean, i I'm fine like having her turn out to be the the big baddie but for her to say ah all this stuff including my being locked up in the library that was my plan all along ha 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 it's just like really your plan involved having yourself being locked up for a hundred years like couldn't you like wait until like maybe five years before like <laughs> or something like that you know it's like like 100 years seems a long time for you to willingly have yourself locked up. So I mean and again I'm I'm maybe nitpicking but I'm just saying as you said it's just all too neat and and it's and I, you know I'll say it for the end but there's just or when we get to that point but just, there's so much that happens in this most notably the library turning out to be a complete a hole that just doesn't make sense. Well, is that the library? I mean, she That's, implies. I don't know. Right,
0: and, and and I guess since the episode is continued, we'll hopefully get an answer to that. But I yeah, don't, like, I, I
1: don't think we do, though, Dave. Actually, I, I saw I saw that episode. I don't okay. recall there being any explanation, I, but maybe I'm wrong. Because so, well, it's been a while since I've seen it. So,
0: Well, and, and Cassandra says repeatedly that I, I don't believe you're the library. So uh, now one of the things I loved was... I believe
1: the, that was Eve who said that.
0: Day. Oh, was it Eve? Okay. The yeah. the muted colors of the nightmare state. And then once they came out of it, which again was rather conveniently Oh, orchestrated. do you mean the
1: Hunger Games? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But the red buttons. I mean, we could talk all day about what they represent, but... Number one, I'm not sure I would just push that button without more information, and it seems out of character for all four of them. Yes, especially Eve, to just push the button,
1: just knowing push what the they shiny know. Red button. Yeah, so it's definitely because we know that the writers of the librarians are Doctor Who fans, right? There's been a number of Doctor Who references already. I believe this is another one. David Tennant's first episode, you know he. You know, he says, I love a big red button. He pushes it. And he, but see, when he pushes that button, he knows what's going to happen, right? This part of doctor the Doctor's plan in that particular episode to defeat the baddies. And so while he's saying, I can't resist the big red button, yes, that's funny. That's a thing from Doctor Who. But like I said, he knows what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. They just push the... Twice, actually. They just push the buttons. And it, again, it's just like a continuation of things that are these crazy plot points from out of left field that like why 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 I, don't, I just don't understand why you have to make it so complex can you not get them to the point where they're fighting against one which I get you want them competing in mortal combat one against the other that's fine can you get them there in a less goofy manner right okay and i think you can i think i think it could be done um, without all the silly twists and turns and big red buttons and things like that. Okay,
0: and and I think that's the fine line that the librarians walks because there's nothing wrong with complexity. Obviously, we, we like a complex plot if the complexity makes sense. And the red buttons, okay, maybe it is a nod to David Tennant and Doctor Who, but yeah, there was just something about, for me, it it wasn't as much the buttons – it was how quickly they pushed them at sure. the beginning.
1: Right. Now, Especially at the beginning, because the second time, uh, you know, we think they're definitely getting kind of like psychologically kind of pressured into it. Sure. But at which point also as a librarian, you think you would like, you know, your better instincts would kick in a little bit. Yeah. Right. What? So this is obviously, they're trying to get me to press this button. They're trying to get me to press this button. I, I definitely should not press the button then
0: you know yeah yeah as uh fox Mulder says in i believe it was season two of the x files when he's down in south america no ho on the roho guy was gonna push the red button right (laughs) anyway now one of the questions that yeah i'm not sure we can answer it at this point well I, i know we can't but is jenkins death on flynn's hands i mean all along especially when Cassandra comes out with the Shroud of Lazarus and he seems to be getting better. And then, of course, he doesn't. And I'm okay with major characters dying. And and given that there may only be one episode left in the series, this probably played out as perfectly as it could, given the circumstances. But I don't know. I mean, it's probably unfair to say that because, I mean, a, a man has a right to you know do what he wants to do but given that the library is still untethered and he is as he would tell you the librarian not a librarian but the and he's basically abandoned everyone to get to this point now obviously we know what nicole is telling us that this is really about her revenge and she could perhaps be holding him against his will at least that's what she tells us but I don't know I, I, I'm, I'm a little torn on how much blame I want to place on Flynn
1: yeah well and you got you a good point there though right that um that the tethering is something that's so important and Flynn just rolled out on it you know now if it is true that Nicole is holding him and that against his will then okay so maybe we don't blame maybe he was just going like as he is want to do is to kind of take off for a little bit and then he's back and he kind of comes and goes as he pleases and this is just another example of that but you raised a good point like with the tethering looming you know should he make that kind of like a priority over everything else so um, again you know it's we'll have to reserve judgment i guess
0: yeah and and again given the precarious nature of the library and and basically everything it represents and and that's one of the things that i I had to kind of go back and do a little research about things that i had forgotten And, and and certainly i remembered that the library is actually in that pocket dimension and it's anchored to a single location in the real world but i guess i'd forgotten like they had to sever that connection there was something that went on with the serpent brotherhood but my question is if a librarian becomes tethered and by extension immortal shouldn't we have a bunch of immortal librarians running around yeah well uh,
1: the least of which judson right who seemed to but like yeah i guess we assume judson was immortal uh for a bit and then i can't remember what happened but like you know like he like faded out or something. You know? Well, I
0: get. I, I mean, look, Jenkins gave up his immortality, so I guess that's probably my answer there. That some uh, situation occurred that these librarians of the past, including Judson, the, the first librarian,
1: yeah, because so- which whatever they had to do with the library before, I think was what you know cost Judson. Yeah. Right. Because, but it's I. Yeah. You're right. We'd have to go back and. Just yeah. Know. All right. Well, well, this whole thing about
0: tethering and and the fact that it is untethered at the moment and jenkins points out that it will become untethered from humanity at which point it'll protect itself and i'm wondering does this imply that the librarians guardians caretakers will no longer have access so what's the point of the library unless it's just simply to safeguard all of these magical artifacts to what end just to keep the world safe i mean and and i guess that's certainly a good reason
1: yeah but then what about all the artifacts that are still out there you know like where are we going to put them right so i mean it's this is endemic of what we're talking about it's just the the numerous obviously the librarians is is a fantasy right it's it's not yeah we know it's not reality obviously um but sometimes when they push it that we ask these questions rather than just accepting them then you know that's you have to kind of put down the rudders a little bit you know yeah like we really shouldn't be asking these questions so much and we should just kind of accept it like okay there's goofy stuff happening the library needs to be tethered fine I'm, i'm with you I mean, shouldn't the library be smarter about
0: this? Right, right. Okay. Now, what did you think when the realization that one of them has to be picked, but whoever's picked has to accept the immortality factor, and and suddenly they all balk?
1: Right. So before, right, then that's obviously the ironic part of it, whereas before – They were arguing over who should be the one. And now they start arguing that who should not be the one. They all say, no, I I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then they get to a point where they're actually willing to sacrifice themselves so that one of the other ones can do it. Which was just so silly because (laughs) Right, like you says, no, it should be me. I will sacrifice myself. Like then, there's still two. <laughs> Someone else has to do it too. Well, right, <laughs> like and, and
0: and each one of them steps forward and, and says, "No, I will sacrifice myself." And and you know, obviously, there's a certain level of emotion there, and, sure. and that's and that's fine, but that doesn't really solve the problem. And you know, Stone is against something as random as drawing straws which isn't really surprising to me but you know i mentioned a minute ago do i blame flynn for jenkins death well can we say that all of this started when cassandra opens the library's first artifact that scroll
1: jenkins expressly told her not to open that's you know that's another thing like really we as much time as we spend with cassandra I, I just can't. Admit. So again, this is just like stretching credulity a little bit. And you're telling me that Nicole knew that Cassandra was going to do that. Like, again, really? <laughs> yeah. right. right. Because had
0: she not opened it, would Nicole's plan have been negated or at least stalled? And, and, you know, Nicole tells us at the end of the episode, all of the levels and steps of her plan and, and it's coming fast and furiously, but still uh, it's, Again, like you said, so she counted on Cassandra opening that. She right. thought she had that little self-control because that's not Cassandra. She,
1: exactly. She exactly. does have. It's so so out of character that like right away, again, it puts us in a position where we're questioning what's going on. Instead of just hanging back and accepting it and enjoying it, we're actively saying, I don't think that that would happen. That I don't buy that. Right, yeah. you don't, we don't buy Cassandra just randomly opening up the scroll. Yeah. Hey, what drags Jenkins into the magic mirror?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. So it's not just me. Uh, again, I <laughs> Is guess it it's the
1: library taking some kind of physical form. I don't know. I, I don't
0: know. And, and again, at this point, and and I'm getting the sense, and and I know you're not doing it deliberately, but I, I'm getting the sense that a lot of these questions we're still not going to receive answers in the season finale. So, I mean, maybe, maybe right. I'm misreading I'm, you, but
1: I am not, I'm not, I refuse to confirm nor deny those, those rumors, Dave. <laughs> All right. Well, as you mentioned, the hunger
0: games, that's basically what we've got. And I thought yeah, that, scene you think, out, well, I thought that scene out <laughs> in the field was done pretty well. I um, actually did like it kind of, except for the,
1: the obvious ripoff, but it was, Yeah.
0: Well, cool, and, and again, it goes back to, and I've mentioned this several times during the course of this season, Dean Devlin saying at the beginning, we want to give the fans things that we know they'll like, and, and I'm sure fans of the librarians are fans of the Hunger Games in, in sure. many cases, but what I, I liked was Cassandra's physicality in this case, and and not in fact it's jones that's using chemistry he's got test tubes i mean who the hell knows what he's got in the test tubes <laughs> but but cassandra really being physical using weapons in, in this case is one of the things i really liked and i and i like stone as a little like you know half a face of uh makeup on there yeah. is a little yeah. you know but the whole fight to the death uh, I mean, we yeah. know it's not going to go there.
1: But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yep, not you'll get no argument from me on that.
0: All right. Now, uh, you know, if, if you're a fan of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know that they've discovered you know, that the third monolith opened up a, a door to a another dimension, which they're calling the Fear Dimension, which is kind of sketchy in and of itself, as good as the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is. But here, they've got to confront their greatest fear, and Cassandra being on the school trip. I- I'm not sure what the fear was. I mean, is it that that there well, those won't be- Those kids were
1: really mean.
0: I know, but but is her fear they made up
1: songs about her? Like, <laughs> wow, that's like that's super mean. Well, I mean, but is her
0: fear that there's not going to be somebody there to protect her? Because if that's it, I've got a problem with that. Because if there's anything we've learned about Cassandra, she's clearly capable of taking care of herself. Not that she doesn't want, need from time to time help from her friends, as everyone does. But maybe I misread
1: that. Well, I think just, I mean, high school can be such a grinder, especially for, you know, a of times like smarter kids who are don't fit in with the norm and everything, uh, don't go out and party and do stupid stuff. All the times those kids can be marginalized and made fun of and that can be pretty traumatic at that young age and that developmental stage of a person's life. So I was actually okay with the high school being her biggest fear. Like I kind of get that a little bit, you know. I'm not so sure, like, and then, but Jake's fear definitely wins as far as being actually scary, because I'm sorry, like kids in VLC jackets chasing you around. It's just not that scary, but some lady in like a plague mask, OK, that's scary. You know, well, you know, um,
0: well, uh, and obviously we find out that it was Cassandra in, in the uh, plague mask, which goes back to what you said at the top of the show, is that there really were no guest stars. Right. But when, when you explain Cassandra's fear in those terms, that makes total sense. And and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did that. Stone, uh, you know, I couldn't remember. I mean, I knew his tattoo brought with it some sort of a curse. And that's one of those things I had to go back and refresh my memory about. And that was, uh, you know, when they were at Shangri-La. But yep. I don't think we really still know what the power— it imbues really is and i'm not sure he knows either but i thought jones was the best i, I mean cassandra's was really good and i'm glad you explained it but but i love jones that it, and he says well i know this is a dream because this would imply that i got caught and ezekiel jones doesn't get caught right
1: right I, I, the, the, his logic is perfect there actually you know like there's no way this is real for one i'd never get caught like there, there's no way that happened and it's You know, again, reflective of both his ability to kind of logic something out, but also his complete arrogance as well, you know. On another level, I think Eve's fear
0: is perhaps the most intense in that her role as the caretaker, as the guardian, uh, and being totally unable to help— just is the antithesis of everything she's about so and i like the where she had the like the the three monitors stacked on each other where she could see what was going on with each of them that was kind of cool
1: yeah yeah that was cool and you're right like her theme is the most i'm sorry her fear i said theme her fear is the most palpable and honestly understandable of 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 them um, Ezekiel's like, he doesn't really buy it. We don't really buy it. Jake's is just kind of weird. Uh, and Cassandra's is, like like I said, that we kind of get it. It's still just high school kids chasing around. But for Eve, this is, yeah, okay, we know this is definitely her biggest fear is th- that she is helpless and powerless. Um, so that was pretty well done. Right,
0: like and that, I totally. think that's really what leads her to her conclusion that this entity is not the library, you know. Th- that there's something else at play here. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to okay, get to the bottom of it.
1: Is it? Yeah, because like, like I know, like because I'd seen this before, so I, I knew N- Nicole shows up again at the end. So I'm like, well, maybe it's because I remember last time not being sure, like about the like, just like Eve is questioning whether it's actually the library or not. So I'm I'm waiting for the explanation and we don't really get it. So was it actually the library or how, again, how was this part of Nicole's nefarious plan is I'm not, I don't get. Right. I mean, is she somehow able to manipulate the library? I don't know. Apparently she's able to manipulate everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well (laughs) now um, we've talked probably me more
0: than you about, uh, Cassandra's outfits over the years. And, and, uh, you know, she's pretty attractive lady, no, no question about it, but sure. I got to say, Cassandra as a prison guard, dark glasses, Billy club. That's pretty hot.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I was, at first I was like, I'm not sure. Cause I was trying to think, I, I didn't really, um, you know, take note of her outfit. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and the, the prison guard outfit, I don't know why, uh, that is attractive to, I, I just assumed that was something wrong with myself uh, psychologically that, right. <laughs> that I thought that was attractive, but apparently I'm not the only one. So, okay, I feel a little bit better about myself.
0: Yeah. And I noticed there were, I think, at least three instances where Stone is twirling something or flipping something. and, and, yeah, and again, ha-
1: yeah, a lot. That's happening a lot this episode. Yeah. yeah
0: so so that's, that's pretty cool
1: as well. But,
0: you know, then we get yeah, It's that so ho- funny.
1: Like, like this is how, like, this is where we're at. That, Like, just a guy twirling something in his hands, you know, brings commentary from us. You know? like, but it's cool, though. Like, it's just how he does it. It's just so cool. Like, especially with the knife. Like, he did with the knife once. And I, he did with uh, some other tool earlier.
0: Well, I think there is a lot of attention to detail in the show, and, and you know, while Christian Kane mentioned in his interview that that you know Dean didn't want him twirling things all the time because that was his character in Leverage. Obviously, a lot of his fans followed him from Leverage to the Librarians, and to give them the occasional nod, I mean, what's the harm? And in fact, I think it does more good than harm. So as we get to the end of the season, it, it, it's almost like they they threw all of that that out there but the other attention to detail that i noticed and it was a small thing but i i really like that they did this when each of them is writing out their resignation stone does his throws it on the table jones does his throws it on the table cassandra does hers places it on the table takes theirs and makes the pile neat
1: (laughs) yeah well and then when when jacob does his he slaps it down they kisses his finger and touches the urn with, that has Jenkins' ashes, which I thought was a that was a nice touch. <laughs> Our friend Jenkins,
0: <laughs> I think it said on yeah, the right. on, on the urn. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, then then we get to you know Jenkins with that I forget what he calls it, but it's got
1: the the knife that's ready the to knife. plunge. Right plunge. again, some a, a goofy plot point that I don't know was necessary.
0: You know, so they go through all of that, you know, that they just got to go out and they've got to push the gold button that's in the middle of the field and that'll save Jenkins life. But, you know, we've already talked about, you know, that that Hunger Games scene. And, and again, like I said, Cassandra using the crossbows and and, and then Stone mostly with bow and arrow. And, and there were some cool scenes him running through there. I, I, again, I thought they did that really well. But, again, we're reminded that two have to die, one has to live, choose. How are we going to choose? And I guess then, how do we get out of this situation? And I guess to a large extent, it, it turns out that we don't. Eve stuffs the scroll in the harness Jenkins is wearing, because apparently that was the first artifact, and it always has takes precedent right. in whatever situation yes. it's in transfer transports them back to the library and the harness still is in play and flies onto Jenkins knife pierces his heart. Jones is able to pick the lock on this magic harness. Okay. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, and, and then again, so again, is the door opening again, part of the nefarious plan? Like again, how did Nicole work all of this out? Did she? She didn't mention anything about this because the the knife just comes flying in or the harness comes flying. They get it off them. The harness comes back. The knife comes back, like flying through the door. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just, I just feel like there's just a way to get there without it, without me, my incredulity, you know? Like, I don't need to question this. I just want to accept it. And I just don't. I just, it just, too much stuff just comes out of, freaking nowhere for for me to to accept it but but uh, that being said jenkins has just died so you know that like all that what i think in my incredulity goes straight out the door because i'm just freaking devastated
0: well right and then we get that scene where they're all wearing black cassandra's carrying the urn with jenkins ashes and stone articulates that the library made them play its game. And that scene where Cassandra talks about hating it and her plaintive cries are just really positively chilling. I mean, in terms of acting, uh, I mean, look, they're all great at what they do, but that scene, I mean, it gives me chills right now to hear her, you know, just really devastated Stone flat out says, I don't trust the library anymore. And then that, of course, leads to the the resignation of, of each of them but right. what what is the truth at this point point? which and then apropos eve throws the truth dial at the mirror that breaks and boom nicole appears yeah. seven years bad luck honey yeah that's true i guess but uh <laughs> I, 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 this the dark mood that now is hanging over things um I think is one of the strengths of of the episode, and again, we don't have to keep repeating it, but I will. <laughs> that uh, it's an uneven episode, but but still, at the end of the day, it's still it's still got we're, a lot right. going for it. And
1: we're so unused to that dark mood. Like, oh, okay, so people have died on the show, but this is like, this is Jenkins. Like, I mean, this has been a major character from the very beginning. And honestly, I was like, well, you know, okay, well, obviously they're going to come up with some way that some magic thing that's going to bring him back. But then they cremate him. I'm like, Oh, well that's out the door, I guess. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I, I guess they cremate him just for, for people like me who are harboring hope that there's some magical thing they could do and just say, Nope, he's dead. Dead, dead, dead. Good and dead, like not coming back. Don't, don't even think that there's a possibility of, of some kind of, you know, Deus ex machina coming in and, and Jenkins being okay. Yeah, and and then what is Nicole's endgame? Eve mentions.
0: Well, do, do you want to kill the library? No, that would be too easy. I want to kill man's belief in it, and that's what she is attempting to do Uh, obviously it appears that it's successful though we've got one more episode and hopefully it's it's not going to turn out that way (laughs) and and then why did you do it revenge payback is it really that simple and and maybe it is for nicole
1: i mean is this all about being jilted for 500 years uh one-fifth of which apparently she consciously decided to stay in the prison in the basement of the library. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's enough to piss someone off, though you also might have to wonder how she, you know, sorted out this plan and everything. But, you know, hey, let's not question these things. So, you know, good point. But uh, so we get to the end. Nicole
0: tells Eve that you have failed in every way imaginable. And then suddenly Eve finds herself on her knees, alone in an empty parking lot and we've got those muted colors again which leads me to question is eve back in a nightmare scenario again and then again I, you know this probably comes from watching too much lost uh, <laughs> I, I noticed on the wall believe in the company right and, I, and i'm thinking all right well is the company just simply a metaphor for the library
1: yeah, well, you no. Know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you. Okay, and then we get those mostly because I kind of can't remember exactly. <laughs> That's cool. But
0: uh, you know, any, anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about?
1: Uh, well, just like how you mentioned there, uh, we probably think that it looks like some kind of alternate reality, or you know, and certainly there is this industrial, you know, cyberpunk feel to the place where she ends up. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it also gives us this, this hope that maybe, you know, like all is not lost. Um, also, there's a the thing where Nicole says you, you're forgetting, you have to, like, for some reason, Eve has to remember the entire library and, and we see she's already stumbling a little bit because, you know, Nicole's like, who's that? She's like, Judson, wait, no, Jake, you know. Um, so apparently the library is fading from memory as it becomes untethered and, and Eve being the only ally of the library anymore, which again, wasn't the library just, didn't the library just kill Jenkins? So what, you know, it uh, uneven. It said some very emotional high points, but otherwise, um, you know, although I guess you could argue that the
0: reaction of the three librarians is understandable that we've just witnessed the library killed jenkins this is not something i want to be associated with i've lost faith i've lost trust i'm walking away now but you you could argue they should stay and fight
1: well or stay and save humanity which because they know if they don't tether the library that it will bring on another dark ages right
0: Right. Uh, there you go that so
1: like should you not maybe hang out a little bit maybe one of you should still get tethered you might be angry with the library right now but they're i'm just saying there might be some larger issues at play here okay
0: all right well uh you want to give your grade first
1: maybe i'll 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 be because like like we said when you're grading papers, you reward them for the good things they do, try not to punish them too much for the bad things. So I'll give it a B. Okay.
0: Now I'm going B plus, and I think the things they did well, they really did well, and and the things they didn't do as well weren't necessarily deal breakers for me. Yeah, as you mentioned at the beginning, a little bit of WTF, but uh, and, and maybe things you know just occurred a little too patly, but. But for me, I'm going to go B plus. But but so you know, a good episode, just not
1: a great one. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's probably good. That's a good way to say it. I think.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we got one to go, and uh, again, it's not going to surprise me that in the next few months we get word that the librarians has been picked up by one of the streaming services. You know, I I think it's a show that the operating budget is probably not astronomical you know i think any good showrunner if he or she is told look we you can keep your show alive if you can cut your budget by 25 percent or whatever and and certainly there are things they could do but i don't i think we've seen the last of the 12 episode season we we at least would be back to a 10 maybe even an eight but Fingers crossed we'll, we'll keep you guys uh, up to date, or you can keep us up to date if you run across something. But I guess that will do it for episode 242 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. I'd like to hear what you think about the librarians and anything else in genre TV. I'd encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails can go via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next time to talk about the librarians season four finale episode 12 titled the librarians and the echoes of memory but until then
1: so dave you know i i was actually because there was a line here that really recalled i think it's one of our earliest feedbacks back when we were doing a lawscar i think from season one And um, if someone emailed us saying, you have failed in every way imaginable, your stupidity, your arrogance, thank you for making them my greatest allies.